God, it's because you live that we have purpose in this life. God, we just thank you that you hold all things together, that you sit on the throne and you live and you reign. As a loving shepherd, God, you guide us through this life. As a loving prophet, God, you are with your people, speaking to them. And so, Father, this morning I pray that you would continue to speak to us, Lord, as we open your scriptures, illuminate your word to us this morning. Open our hearts and our minds to what you want to say to us. Father, I ask that you would bless the work that Pastor Mike has put into um, discovering truth in your scripture. And as he, as he brings it forth to us, Lord God, I pray that, our, that we would be open to what you want to say to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I found myself yesterday in Meadow Lake for a basketball tournament. And, you know, Meadow Lake's a wonderful place to visit in the summer, you know. <laughs> and uh, in the winter, it's a little different. And, and I just, you know, the tournament was over. My son's team won silver. You don't actually win silver. You lose silver, right? <laughs> you lose to get the silver. It's kind of a, a bittersweet kind of, yay, we got silver, but we lost to get it, you know. And we get on the road, we just want to get home. It's a, it's a sunny, you know, kind of it's a nice winter day. But I start driving, and I'm like, hey, I'm, you know, turn, and I go. And I'm just driving, 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 driving. And, and about 20 minutes into the drive, I just, I just get this sense, like, this doesn't look familiar. I don't know if you've ever been had that experience. So I'm like, I know it was kind of foggy, and there was a bus in front of me when I was dri- getting close to Meadow Lake. So I, I wasn't really looking at the, at the scenery, but it's just like, I don't recognize this scenery. And... And we're driving and driving. I'm like, okay, the sun is over here. I'm, go- I'm going south. I'm going in the right direction, but it doesn't seem like I'm on the right road. And finally, I, I stopped. Oh, I saw the sign, and it's this town, Glassland. Some of you know this town, but I hadn't driven through Glassland on the way up there. So I was like, okay, what's going on here, you know? And, but um, so understand, as I talk about the steps to moving up and out in your life in Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about, like, check off, you know, here, I fill in the box. Yes, I started up. I show up, I step up, I give up, and I rise up, and boom, I'm done. Like, we're not talking about a bunch of religious rules and stipulations that you just kind of check off in order to move closer to God. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about markers on the journey that as we grow in this relationship with God, we see signposts to discover, oh, I guess I'm moving closer to Him. And and those signposts are, one, I start up, two, I I show up, three, I step up, four, I I give up, and and then fifth, I'm rising up. And Paul talks about that in Philippians 3, this rise up reality. Now you might think of rise up and you think of people like, you know, this divorced mother, single mom on welfare who's trying to write a book. And so she would take her kid out on a, in a cart and pram and, you know, had to take her to the coffee shop and She's cranking out this book, living on welfare, and, and you know, life is tough. You know, she, she's on her own with her kid, but she's got this idea for a book, and she finally puts this book together and sends it to some publishers. Some like it, don't like it, but some guy finally says, oh, I'll give it a chance, and, 
And before you know it, you know, Harry Potter becomes pretty popular, right? J.K. Rowling goes from nothing, welfare mom, to billionaire. Or you think of you know, that poor African-American girl who spent the first, first six years of her life in potato uh, sack dresses, abused by some family members and friends of family, runs away at 13, has a child die at 14, but then finally life turns around and she gets a scholarship. Local radio station recognizes her, and suddenly, before you know it, she's Oprah Winfrey. Right? Rise up. Right? You, you think might think of those, those stories, those sensational stories, or, or like a, a young man living in Montreal who had quit school working at a pizza joint. He's super tall and skinny, but just going nowhere with life. And, you know, he starts playing basketball at 18, and at 19, he gets invited to this tournament, and these guys kind of notice it. Man, this tall, skinny guy actually is pretty good. And so he gets invited to a prep school, which leads to a junior college, which leads to the Oregon State University, Oregon Ducks, and now he's playing for the Toronto Raptors, Chris Boucher. I mean, I mean, we love these rise-up stories, but the rest of us are sitting there looking and thinking. I know you're, what's going through your mind is like, yeah, that's nice. My life is more like vanilla, you know. <laughs> it's not, you know, those fancy flavors. When you encounter Jesus, the possibility and the potential for you to have a rise-up story is there, and it's real. And so Paul talks about this in, in Philippians 3, and we're going to really kind of keen in on, on verses 8, but we've got to look at the first verses just to get what he's talking about and understand why he's going where he's going. And he, he's writing to this church at Philippi. He'd been there, you know, and, and it was a, a dear group of people to him, but he's warning them about, about something that's happening. He says, finally... Brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write this again is no trouble to me. It's a safeguard for you. He says in verse 2, beware of the dogs. Now, Philippi didn't have a dog problem, just if, you, if you're wondering, right? You know, is, is there an issue here with, you know, you know some places have these issues. But no, he's, not, he's, he's talking about this group of people. Beware of the evil workers, those who mutilate the flesh. He's talking about this group of Jewish men. And they come into Philippi and we're saying, you know what? There is a spiritual eliteness that we have that you don't. You want this spiritual eliteness? You need to get circumcised. You need to do the Jewish stuff. You need to be, be like us who are perfect. And you don't have it, and, and you're missing out. If you really want the deeper and the more significant and lasting things, you need to become like us. And, and this is what Paul calls them. Those dogs, those evil workers, those mutilators of the flesh. For he says, for we are the circumcision, the one who worship by the Spirit of God, exult in Christ Jesus, and do not rely on human credentials though mine too are significant paul says if someone thinks he has good reasons to put confidence in human credentials i have more i was circumcised on the eighth day from the people of israel and the tribe of benjamin a hebrew of hebrews i lived according to the law as a pharisee in my zeal for god i persecuted the church according to the righteousness stipulated in the law i was blameless paul's like you think you think these guys have a good, a good resume let me tell you my resume if you're into the academic circles, we call this the curriculum vitae. It's all the things that you've accomplished, all the things you've published, all the places you've been. He's like, you, you think they got something going for them? Let me tell you what I've got going for me. I mean, I, I, I was born a Jew. I was born one of those Jews that actually can still trace their lineage back to the original tribes. I mean, there was a whole group of tribes that lost their lineage when the Assyrians came in and deported them, but there was the Benjamites and the Judaites who, who were able to retain their lineage and their genealogies and, and, and the Levites. And he's like, I, I, I happen to be one of those few that can actually say, yeah, I can trace my lineage back. 
I had the best training, the, the best university. Gamaliel trained me. I mean, I, I, I was, and, and I was living it out. And, 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 and when it came to the checklist, I was 100%. He says in verse 7, But these assets I have come to regard as liabilities because of Christ. More than that, I now regard all things as liabilities compared to the far greater value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Indeed, I regard them as dung that I may gain Christ. I mean, he's, he's getting serious. He's like, everything that was going good, all these lists of accomplishments, those degrees on the wall, the rewar- awards from school, forget it. Flush them down the toilet. I mean, he uses a word there which describes human excrement, feces. Uh, in your workplaces, they would call it another word, four letters. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is what he's, he's using the most graphic word possible to say, this is a pile of crap. All that stuff, all my good works, all my accomplishments, compared to knowing Christ, throw them away. I'm willing to write them all off. These guys had come into Philippi and they're, they're trumping their credentials on how much they got going for them. Paul says, look, I've got more credentials than them, but that means nothing compared to knowing Christ. This knowing is not simply, you know, cramming for a test. You know, I used to do that. I've been through a lot of school and, and on the night before the exam, we'd get together for a study party, right? And we'd have coffee and we would study, right? Ha, ha, ha. At 1 a.m. after the study party, I'd go to my room and I would study. I would cram. I would learn, you know, memorize these lists. And, you know, and I'd get to the test and I would just, you know, barf it up on the paper. And I'd be done. And, and I would, you know, I'd get by. And that's kind of how I got through college. I, I was able to just take information, you know, regurgitate information. And that's not knowing. This is knowing by experience and by life. It has a tactile quality to it. It's, it's knowing. You know, you, you, you can read about something. You can look at pictures of something, but then you, you actually go and do it. I mean, we live in a world where, where everything's kind of virtual reality, but this is reality reality, right? Like we, we don't live our life vicariously through the romance of others. We, we experience it ourselves. That's knowing, right? It's one thing to read a romance book. It's another thing to, to date a wonderful woman. I mean, it's totally, that's knowing. You know, like, you know, forget that. And he's like, I want to know Christ. I mean, I used to live that whole academic world, Paul says, but now I have this relationship. He's moved from religion to relationship. And everything else that stood in the way of that relationship are just thrown onto the garbage heap. They're worthless. They're, they, don't, you know, they don't matter because the only thing that matters is knowing Christ. He says in verse 9, I want to be found in him. Not because I have my own righteousness derived from the law, but because I have the righteousness that comes by way of Christ's faithfulness. A righteousness from God that is in fact based on Christ's faithfulness. He's like, I'm righteous now not because I've done the right things and I've checked off the list and I'm a do-gooder. I'm righteous because Christ did it for me. That's what we just celebrated here. He's like, I've got this righteousness and it's far surpassing whatever I had before. And he says in verse 10, My aim is to know him, to experience the power of his resurrection. Rise up. That's what we're talking about here. I want to experience the power of his resurrection. 
to share in his sufferings, and and so to be like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And this is a a very strange kind of thing that he's talking about here. So we're talking about resurrection, and then all of a sudden he's talking about suffering. In the same verse, in fact, grammatically, they're tied together. If you want to experience the new life in Jesus Christ, guess what comes with it? Suffering. Death. And herein lies the problem for many people that have come to church is they love the new life, and they should. And it's awesome. It's great. There's no other life worth living in my mind. But in order to rise up, in order to, to walk into resurrection reality, you have to go through crucifixion. Not literally, but in our hearts, there has to be a death. If you want to live a new life in Jesus, there's something in you that needs to die and be buried in order for the life of Christ to fill that void. And moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ and taking these steps, I mean, we talked about give up last year, that, last week, that was surrendering and, and offering our lives. But now, if we talk about rising up, I mean, in order to rise up, we have to let go of things. We have to die. It's a, it's a death process. It's not pleasant. It's not enjoyable. It's not fun. But it's real. And it's powerful. It's to share in his sufferings. To become like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to this out-resurrection, he calls it in verse 11. Now, What's he talking about here? Of course, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ and has faith in Christ is going to someday be resurrected. I mean, that's a promise. 1 Corinthians 15 makes that very clear. Let, you know, because of his resurrection, those who believe in him will also rise again. I mean, that, that's, that's a promise. We can cling to that. But, but he's talking about something else here. He's talking about, you know, my, my, my goal and my aim is to know him so much, and, and I would love to be there when he comes back, is what he's saying. When he returns to be instantly translated into his presence, boom, like that would be the best, he says. Full knowledge of Jesus. The problem with religions is it leads you down a different road, right? And you see different markers, you see different scenery, and it kind of looks similar, but it's not the same. You're doing similar things, but it, it doesn't produce the same results. And when you come into a relationship, it's totally different. And if you come out of a religious background, you know what I'm talking about here. You're like, yeah, I did the religion thing, and it didn't really do anything for me. In fact, it left me feeling empty, guilty, ashamed, judged. But when I entered relationship, it was a different, different reality. That's what we're talking about here at New Life. Relational reality, not religious reality. So understand, like, it's not about you checking off boxes. It's about you moving closer to God every day in your journey with Him. Knowing Jesus experientially as, as you head through the, the, the life which is your life. And part of that journey is going to involve suffering. I mean, suffering is not, you know, me moving to Saskatchewan and getting an inspection and discovering that i got to put $1,000 into my truck. I mean, that feels like suffering, but that's not suffering for the cause of Christ. You, know, you understand what I'm saying, right? You know, there, there are times, right, oh, i got a cold, my kid's puking, I'm suffering. No, you're not. That's just life, okay? But there's times in your journey when you take a stand and a step forward with Jesus that you feel it. There's a cost involved. Uh, There are opportunities in front of you, but you just know you can't take them because that's not drawing you closer to Jesus. You turn down promotions. You turn down work because you're like, no, no, my, my priority is knowing 
Jesus Christ, and I could see that com competing with that priority. Opportunities to, to do something that maybe just on the edge of, 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 you know, sketchy, you know, business practices, but very profitable. But like, no, my thing of knowing Jesus, this would compete with that. Standing up in school as a follower of Jesus and, and being identified as someone who, who you know, is pure, who, who doesn't vape, who doesn't, you know, talk dirty jokes. I mean, you will suffer if, if you take that stand. But that will move you closer to Jesus. Closer to that experience of, of knowing him in an intimate and a, in a real way. I want to know Jesus. The power of his resurrection. To share in his sufferings. To become like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection. To be there when Christ returns. When the rapture occurs. I, I want to be there. I want to experience it. I want to move up and, and out and, and just boom. And, and that's the goal we're moving towards. Is to actually know Jesus perfectly. But he reminds us in verse 12 that no one has quite made it there yet. Not that I've already attained this. That is, I've not already been perfected. And I think this is a jab back at those dogs, you know, those mutilators of the flesh, those evil workers who claim to have perfection. I don't know if you've encountered, there are people out there in the Christian world that claim to reach a place of perfect sanctification. I, I don't think that is taught in the Bible as I read the Bible, but there are groups of people that, that claim to that. Like, yeah, you can reach this sinless perfection state in this world. Um, good luck with that. Eh? And the moment you say that, you've just lied. So you're not, you know, there you go, right? I mean, it doesn't work that way. Paul the Apostle wasn't that way. I mean, if this guy didn't get it, good luck for the rest of us, right? <laughs> I haven't been made perfect. I haven't achieved it. But, he says, I strive or I grasp to, to, to grasp hold of that for which Jesus also grasped me. Or to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of, of me. You know, I, Christ grabbed on to me, and, and, and I want to hold on to that for which, which, which you know, he, he, he held on to me for. I mean, it's sort of this, Jesus saved me, and, and, and now I want to just keep holding on to him. I don't know if you ever lost a kid. I mean, it's embarrassing to even say this. I mean, they're old enough now, they won't take them away. But I mean, you know, you've had those moments, right, where, where you're wanting, and all of a sudden, like, hey, where's that? Where'd he go? Where's she? Where is she? You know, and, you, and, and when you finally do find him, you grab onto that hand, and you squeeze it maybe a little too tight. <laughs> and, ah! Like, just listen and follow and don't let go. You know, you're staying with me, right? You know? I mean, we're all rebellious children. Whom the Father grabs onto. Christ grabs onto. Say, I want to lead you through life. And if you just relax and let me do that, you'll be okay. But when you throw off my hand and run away on your own, I mean, you're just going to get into trouble, and we do. Is I want to I grasp, I want to hold on to that for which Christ Jesus held on to me. And again, he reminds them, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have attained this. But this one thing I do, he says, or instead I'm single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. With this goal in mind, I strive towards the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so he's using athletic imagery here. You know, if you've ever watched the Olympics and the end of a race, I mean, if it's tight, those, those athletes are not like, oh, looking around, you know, wondering, you know, you know any good-looking spectators to look at. You know, I, mean, I mean, they are looking at the, at, at the finish line. They are running with this 
you know, gaze and, you know, the sweat is flowing off their bodies and they're just giving her, you know, I, I love watching sometimes the, the, the Tour de France and those men near, near the end of the stage, they just give her and they're, they're pumping their legs and they're moving and, you know, guys are falling off and the fans are cheering and it's just, you know, but you can tell they're not looking around, they're not drinking their water. I mean, when it comes to that last kilometer, they're giving her and he's like, here I am, I'm just focused, I'm straining. I'm forgetting those things that are behind. Rising up is this stage where you just get to the place where you're no longer letting the past dictate your present or your future. Now, the one thing most of you think of when you think of past is all the bad things you've done. Letting that define you. Yeah, I'm not going to let that define me anymore. The, the failures, the hurt, the abuses, the, the difficulties, whatever it was in your past, the poor choices you made, the rebellion. I mean, all that stuff kind of piles up and it tends to, to, to leave an odor on us if we let it. And Paul says, I'm leaving all that behind, but, but there's another past that's there too. This is for us, you know, older children, you know, that we're good kids. We did the right things. We had some successes in our spiritual life. We actually walked with Jesus. We obeyed Jesus. We stayed pure until we got married. We did all these good things, and we served the Lord at camp, and we went on a mission trip, and we gave lots of money to the church. And, and we, sometimes we, we pile up this list of accomplishments, and, and we lean on it. We're like, yeah, look at all that I did for Jesus. Aren't I a good person? Great pastor. woo Paul says, even that good stuff, I'm not going to rest on the accomplishments of my past. I'm going to forget those things. That was yesterday's victory. And it was good, but I'm looking forward to tomorrow's victory, to tomorrow's opportunity, to next week's ministry, to sharing Christ with someone next month. I mean, I, I am not going to just sit here and say, oh, I was such a great missionary, such a great pastor, such a great Bible teacher. No, no, there's another day coming. There's another opportunity. There's another step. I'm not stopping because I haven't quite got everything that I can out of my relationship with Jesus. I want to keep moving on. Because there's this upward call, this prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And rise up people understand that. And as you move forward in your faith journey, you see markers along the way that just remind you of where you're at with this journey. Rise up people are so consumed with knowing Jesus that nothing else really seems to phase them in, in, in that way. And not only do they want to know Jesus, but they want others to know Jesus. And so they just release their resources and their time to make that a reality. And they love it. And they don't get caught up in the politics of our world and the, you know, the temperature outside and the things that just depress us and drag you down. Uh, the reality of your own physical deterioration. We all live in that reality, right? I mean, the, the hair is, you know, fading away and the eyes are getting weak and every, everything's happening to us and we can focus on that or we can focus on knowing Jesus. Like, yeah, I'm a baldy, but I got Jesus, right? You know, my legs may not work, but I got Jesus. You know, I mean, whatever it is, I mean, suddenly that just, the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. Rise up. It's not a destination, but there are markers on the journey that will tell you you're, you're, you're heading when you just find great delight in being with Jesus. It's different than religion, right? Religion says, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this, do this, do this, you know, you know stay within the boundary, you know, check off the boxes. It's, it's different, right? It's, it's like something like adultery, right? 
I could choose not to commit adultery because I'm told not to. The Bible says don't do it. Or I can choose not to commit adultery because I love Elisa more than that. That, that, that. that my relationship with her is so much more valuable than something as stupid and as moronic as, as going and violating my marriage covenant with, with, you know, with some other woman. I mean, it's because the greater love for her you know, just trumps that opportunity or that, 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 the, the, you know, the, the allure of that. He's like, I want to know Christ, and in knowing Christ, everything else just seems to, to fade away in front of my head. My whole resume, all the stuff that I had going for me, it's just crap compared to knowing Jesus. Now understand this. Paul's not asking you to go home and burn your university degree, right? He's not asking you to take away all your credentials or even just scrap your experiences. When Paul needed to, he would lean on his past, right? When it was to adv- his advantage, in terms of the gospel, to say, hey, by the way, I'm a Roman citizen, he would use that card. When he's in Jerusalem trying to tell Jews about Jesus the Messiah, you don't think he pulled out the Jewish card? Oh yeah, by the way, I'm a Jew too. Ha ha ha. I mean, when it served the purpose of the gospel, he used it. When it helped him to accomplish God's mission, he used it. But when it came to his standing and his identity with God, it meant nothing. The only thing that mattered to him was knowing Jesus. How do you know you're at the rise-up stage? When that passion consumes. And sometimes you feel it more than others. I'm not saying, but, but that's where we are going together. Moving up and out, the new life in Jesus Christ is a relational journey. It's knowing Jesus more and more, so much so that everyone that encounters us begins to see something in us. And if they walk into this room and into this building and, and, you know, into the youth group on Thursday night or downstairs with the kids, that they're like, man, there is something here. And that is the very presence of Jesus working in and through us as a group, as a family. So I've talked about the steps. Start up, show up, step up give up, rise up. We'll keep referencing these as we move ahead, but I just want to say, I want us to be on a journey together. If you find yourself on a different journey, let's get on to the journey that Jesus wants us to be on together, and that's to know him, and to know him in such a way that it permeates every aspect of our lives. And when that happens, I I won't need to dog you about serving, because you're just going to do it. But in the, in, in the process, I'm like, what if someone's like, hey, I, I'm ready to serve. What do I do? We're giving you an opportunity by having a card where you can check off boxes and be like, I, I don't know where to start, but it, this is my starting point and with, with, or my, my step up step with you guys. I, help me. And, and we're like, okay, we're going to help you. But it's, this is not being done to, to improve your relationship with God. This is being done out of your relationship with God. God's not going to give you extra points if you do this. I mean, he's given you all the points you need in Jesus, but because you love Jesus, you're like, I want to just do something. I'm so grateful for what he's done for me. I want to do something. Step it up. That's the opportunity. That's why we hand these out today. They'll be available. You can also go online. There's a step up button on the website. You can check it off, fill out an online form if you'd rather, but we'd love to get you connected because people that have stepped up and are serving are people that are moving up and are growing. And that gives you a chance to get to know other people and to grow together. And this is our goal for you as a church family is that you would know Christ, that you would know Christ's family, and that together we would move up towards him and out 
into this community with this good news of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me as we close? The team's going to come up and lead us in a, in a song as we, as we end. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, I, I would invite you to do that this morning. And to just surrender and, and start up that relationship with Him. And maybe somewhere in this series you've been drawn to, you, you've been convicted, and I just encourage you to respond in obedience to whatever the Holy Spirit would be leading you to do. But um, my hope is that you would be in a relationship with God today through Jesus Christ. That that wouldn't be just a static relationship, but it would be an ongoing, growing relationship. Dear God, would you help us to, to move ahead in, in our relationship with you that we would take seriously this, this great privilege we have to be your children. That we would know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the, the fellowship of his sufferings, and, and become like him in his death. And we would attain, Lord, and someday to that joyous moment of, of joining you when you come and receive your church unto yourself. But Lord, I just pray that we be consumed by this desire to know you. That it would be our motivator, our goal, the thing that gets us up in the morning, things that, that keeps us going when things get tough, Lord. Would, would Jesus just be our constant companion in every step that we take? And may that be clearly visible in our lives as we live in this community, in the communities in which we live, in the neighborhoods in which we live. And so, Lord, I pray your blessing upon this, your church family, as we seek to know Christ. This week, in Jesus' name.